Hi, everybody. This is uh, The Tilt Shift, a new podcast brought to you by uh, myself, yeah, Charlie. Uh, Chris Jacoby. Jake Francis. I guess I don't have a last name. <laughs> What's your last name? What's Charlie last name? Pimentel. Um, anyway, um, we were inspired by a podcast called The Rewatchables, which basically features um, movies of old, like the last maybe 20 years. And uh, those podcasters uh, will select the film that they think uh, is deserving of a second look. And uh, they talk about it for like uh, an hour and just exchange their ideas about it. Our, our podcast was inspired by that. It won't be an hour long, um, but I, it, the idea came when um, uh, Chris first told me that uh, I should check out this podcast. Uh, I listened to it. I fell in love with it and listened to like 10 episodes in a week. Um, and then Chris came to me and said, um, uh, let's, uh, let's make our own. Let's what? do our own version. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and then so the next step was like, okay, well, let's come up with a title. What's a title? And we debated over that for a while. And uh, I don't know, Jake, you want to tell us about why we call it the tilt shift? Right. Tilt shift is, is borrowed from a, a photographic technique. It's actually like a really weird bit of hardware that you can set up on, on older film cameras. Um, and, and you can actually imitate it with, with software and editing and whatnot. I think there's even an option on, on the iPhone. But essentially what it does is it allows you to, to have a very small amount of, a, of an image in focus. And it, and it actually kind of uh, distorts proportions and kind of skews perspectives. Uh, even though it's not a film technique, it, it just got me thinking about how it's sort of what we're doing here. We're just, we're just dissecting and examining certain, opponent, um, certain elements of, of films that we've watched and, and watched again. Uh, and, and it feels very much like what a tilt shift uh, photograph does. Uh, so, cool. we tilt shift. We hope yeah, you enjoy sure. it. We hope you enjoy it. All right, thank you. All right. I don't even know how to get started here. I'm so nervous because this is our first podcast and uh, we decided to do one of my all-time favorite films and I'm sure it's your guys' top 10 for sure, um, Pulp Fiction. Uh, I think that is kind of ambitious, but it's also kind of easy because we all have so much to say about Pulp Fiction um, and we all rewatched it just recently. Um, so I think I just, let's get started and talk about um, your first impressions of the film big picture ideas about the film uh like what, what did you like about it the most what was it like when you first watched it versus uh versus uh when you watched it just last week well i i remember watching it i mean I, like i i have a pretty vivid memory of watching it uh at home in my living room when i was in grade 10 uh yeah it came out in 94 so uh for me i, I didn't realize it at the time but i think one of the reasons why it it kind of blew me away why it was just such a such an amazing experience and just sort of an eye-opening moment for like a 16 year old who hadn't really watched a lot of movies I liked I liked movies of course but I I wasn't like a film buff I I, I wasn't somebody who, who had a huge repertoire of films but I remember watching it thinking like this this is different and, and and looking back on it now I'm able to probably identify that it was the first realist movie that I'd seen hmm. right um, hmm. mostly Tradition, more formalist type movies would have been what I'd seen throughout childhood and even through like early teen years but Pulp Fiction completely it was just so raw and I just remember thinking like I don't know what it is but there's something about this movie that's just so exciting and, and I think it was like it was never the same after that after sort of seeing a movie like that it was just an eye opener 
Yeah. Um, there was so much swearing in it. I remember <laughs> it's like seeing this, like I didn't know a movie could have this much swearing. Uh, there were so many racial words, if I could say that, like where it was almost like mainstreamed in a little way. Yeah. Uh, or like, way. of course we're talking like this. Yeah. And I'm like, I've yeah. never heard people talk like this before. Um, and yet it's, and I'm sort of feel guilty that it's so entertaining and, um, and the nonlinear storytelling, right? So it's just like you, you go to these parts, you have to kind of piece it together. Um, and then the last thing for me is it's just so original. Yeah. Like you, you had these problems I'd never seen before, right? Or the characters you empathize with or you see the perspective from, um, you know, I, I've never seen sort of like essentially two assassins like, oh, let's just listen to their conversation for a bit. Talking right? about hamburgers. Yeah, and, and let's go, oh, where were you from? All that kind of stuff. So um, from the OD scene to the diner, I've never seen a diner like that, to, mm-hmm. to the accident mm-hmm. that happens at the end of the movie and how they solve it. Like, it's just, and it's just like, what a weird way to approach these types of problems. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to, like, comment that, like, I think this is something that might be unique to us as, like, Canadian viewers. Yeah. That the whole concept of like diner culture yeah. is always going to be kind of fascinating because it's, we're not Americans. We're not, we don't experience diners the way that many Americans would. So I think there's always an extra level of fascination or maybe even almost like a foreign film aspect yeah. of it. Like, oh yeah, they're in the diner again, right? Because yeah. that's what people do. You know, we, we yeah. don't do that. I think know? I heard Tarantino talk about that actually, about diner culture and how he, he knew that he just wanted, he wants, he wanted his film to be set in a diner. Like he he, mm-hmm. he loves mm-hmm. that uh, because it's so American. Yeah. Um, to your point about the the racial slurs and the swearing, I was I was um, in elementary school when this came out, and I remember seeing the preview, but you know not really caring or being interested in it as an elementary school kid. But then getting intrigued when I saw that my parents had rented it and were watching it in the room, and I tried to walk in, and they're like, "No, no, no this isn't. You can't watch this." Right, and I was like, right, right. and I could already hear yeah, the. Okay, I could hear what, what the, is it? Yeah. I could hear the intensity and the violence, just coming out of the TV. I could just hear. It. I didn't even have to see it. Right, right. Um, you can and, feel the heat yeah. coming off the old yeah. TV set. Yeah. <laughs> and I was intrigued, and definitely uh, because the trailer had that misery music. Yeah, it was more like, whoa, cool. What is this movie? And then, I I remember even asking my parents. Um, it, it, when did they play that song? Is can I can I see the scene where the song's played? They're like, no, that song's never played. That was just for the preview, <laughs> uh, or in the beginning. I think it's just shown in the beginning, right? But um, well, I eventually watched it, and when I eventually watched it as a teenager, my mind was blown. It made me fall in love with the film. Like it was the first film that I watched. Was like, I like movies. I want to write movies. I want to write stories. It actually was also a good segue into reading and English class and again eventually becoming an English teacher was a film like this was just like the how he wrote it deconstructed the storyline and it was like this non-linear storytelling and the dialogue was just so amazing something that I'd never heard in movies before um it also seemed like it was dialogue that like you were saying was about like anything and everything but uh characters like hitmen talking about hamburgers and uh, everyday things um, and then talking about the morality of what they're doing too uh, juxtaposed with that and it just felt so purposeful yet so extra there was so much dialogue so much more than any other film but it wasn't expository dialogue it wasn't like dialogue that had to do with the plot half the time 
And I thought that was so cool and unique. It was all about developing the characters uh, and making them come to life to, uh, for us. Um, anyway, those are, yeah, those are my first impressions. I'll, I'll admit when I first saw this movie, I didn't totally love it, right? Like the originality, like really blew me away. And, um, it was one of those films, like, I don't know if I should like this film, right? I don't, uh, because I, like the characters seem really evil. Um, you know, there's, there's the rape scene, which I'm just like, I, I don't feel comfortable sort of watching the scene and, and, um, uh, and then the person getting his head blown off, and there's things like that. But I, in a weird way, I wanted to like it more than I initially liked it. And when I watched it over and over again, uh, and in some ways desensitized myself, I, I grew to appreciate it. So you kind of start off with the lines. Oh, these are just cool lines. You kind of get to sections of the story. So when we get to scenes, my favorite is... Um, uh, Vincent and, and, and Mia, right? Just the whole from where they meet all the way to the Eric Stoltz. Really actually starting with like buying the drugs from Eric Stoltz, that whole sequence right to the ketchup joke. That was always my favorite. Um, and then kind of grew to love the beginning and the ending and then and the stuff in the middle. And just sort of realized, okay, just, just take the entertainment for what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I was just going to say... Uh, you know, it's like it's like any form of art, whether it's music or or some a painting or whatever. It's it's always important to think of like, but how was it viewed at the time, right? So like the way that we perceive it now, you know, for a grade ten kid, you know, if I'm if I'm comparing it to my own experience, for for a kid right now, sixteen year old, to see Pulp Fiction for the first time, he or she is just going to already have a different reaction to it because of the world that they've mm-hmm. grown up in, because of their their you know their their. Uh, Gen X kid or a, or a Gen a Gen Z kid, sorry. Um, so their their references, their expectations, their exposure to media is so different than it would have been for us born in the seventies or eighties kids watching it in the nineties. Yeah, which yeah. is which is interesting. Yeah. It, it's it's actually hard to ask the question for this film has it aged well because to your point about how kids watching it now what they would think of it would be very different from what kids back then watched how how they thought about it. Because Tarantino, with this film, this specific film, changed cinema, right? There's so many films now that are Tarantino-esque. Yeah. There are so many copycats of Pulp Fiction. Uh, most of them failed. And, but at the same time, he kind of created a whole new genre of movies, yeah. right? And, and so many movies now do the things that he does, where they use pop music, uh, as opposed to scores, yeah, right, or uh, non-linear storytelling, or a lot of extra like chapter, pop culture reference titles. dialogues, right? Chapter titles, chapter titles, yeah. like mm-hmm. like pop culture mm-hmm. references in the dialogue. Like that's a normal thing that kids watching it now wouldn't be that blown away by Pulp Fiction. I think because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, at least, when I see Pulp Fiction, and then I see other films that do that. There's just something so original still about Pulp Fiction where the other ones feel like they're trying to be cool. Pulp Fiction is cool. Yeah. Like, it, 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 it wasn't trying to be cool. It was, I guess that's just by virtue of being the original. Yeah, I think, I think that's just, that's, that's the prize you win for being first. Yeah. Uh, to an idea. Yeah. Uh, and then everyone else just wishes they could have figured that out yeah. before you did. 
or figured it out in the way you did because yeah. Tarantino would be the first to say like well I was inspired by all of these films and yeah. these and this type of pop culture yes. or this art form for sure but yeah you still figured out how to put it all together yes. in that way and package it and and it's magic yes right um so that that's always going to be the the uh, the yeah. challenge who, th- who could figure it out first and what do the audience what does the audience want what what is the yeah. current market what are they hungry for mm-hmm. what can we what can we do to reinvent something deconstruct it it's also it's absolutely unapologetic like yeah. i didn't really care about the audience it's like quentin cared about this movie he loved this movie this is the movie i'm going to make mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. hopefully people like it and, and to and, some and extent he's still like that cuz when you think about it all the films he's come out since then uh he does the same sort of thing and it's not getting old when he no. does it. It gets That's old right. when other people do it. It's like, oh, you eye roll when people do like a Tarantino mm-hmm. thing. But if Tarantino does a Tarantino thing, it's fine. Like we, it gets right. praised. We love it. But they're not always 10 out of 10, right? Like, yeah. I mean, like, like Grindhouse yes. compared to like Inglorious Bastards, even in, compared to Pulp Fiction. Like, I think you, you'd rank them all slightly differently. Yeah. I mean, they're all good. Yeah. But, but he doesn't always hit a home run. Yeah. So... It's funny you bring up Inglorious Bastards because I, I've always ranked Pulp Fiction as my number one Tarantino film, but I'm starting to be swayed to think I like Inglorious Bastards actually a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, rewatching both of them several times. Um, anyway, um, what did you like about it? Oh, sorry, do you want to say something? No, no, no. Let's get to the yeah. Category. So the next question is like, unless I, you guys already answered this, like, is there one thing you liked about it the most? Did we answer that? I might answer that. Uh, well, I can answer that. Okay. Uh, hopefully this isn't too literal. This is uh, getting to maybe best scenes. The one thing I liked about it the most is um, how they shot the overdose scene. <laughs> right? I just, I just love... I, I love the shaky camera. Um, all the acting, Eric Stoltz to... Um, like, Eric Stoltz is, is perfectly overacting the moment. Um just the whole like adrenaline shot thing. I was like adrenaline shot and um, you know, the close-ups as they're holding the, the, the needle up. So that, that to me was, was my favorite. And I, I told a friend of mine, I said, if we're ever talking and this movie's on, if this scene comes on, we have to stop the conversation <laughs> and we can't change the channel. I have to see this in its entirety because I just love it. Like the little black medical book, you know, like the whole, the whole deal. So, yeah. <laughs> Did you hear that someone passed out in the theater when that happened in, the, in its premiere? No. I like in Cannes, apparently, like there was a guy who like, like passed out, fainted because it was so exciting. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's the ultimate compliment. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't finish watching your movie. <laughs> I fainted because it was so good and it was so intense. Yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah, I actually, Chris, I know, I, you know, and again, we're probably joined by millions in saying, yeah. that, you know, that was, that's an incredible scene. But I, I noted that too. It's like when I thought about like what, what blew me away, what do I still remember when I think about incredible moments from that film? Um, and I think it's, I think it's the, it comes back to like, the story is pretty simple. Like what's happening there? It, yeah. Someone's dying. Someone is. There's a medical emergency, right? But it like, again, it was, but how do you how do you convey that? And and it's how Tarantino does it, and how he breaks it down into like how visually, um, and and in terms of dialogue, what needs to be said, what needs to be shown, and and his choices are just phenomenal. Like his his crazy weird camera angle of like Uma Thurman, like from like the belly button level. Like I don't even know like what yeah. the angle is. Looking up at her chin. Yeah. Right, and then and then. Cross cutting back to 
the, the syringe with the drop and then back to her and then like a wide shot out to like ripping the blows. Like it's just, it's just a phenomenal series of shots that could have been done yeah. an infinite different number of ways, yeah. but he, he just nails it. And maybe that's why the guy faints, you know, yeah. it's just so, it's so perfectly done. So is that like what you like about it the most? Or it, yeah, like in terms of that scene? No, just like in general. Just in general. What's the thing that you like about the film the most? If there's something. Oh, like, in, like an MVP for the no, film or like no, just an overall, just, overall, yeah, an yeah, overall what, best. Yeah. What, what do you like about it the most? It could be any aspect of the film. I, for, for me, it's juxtaposition of, of shots and moments. Okay. Like for example, like Mia, Mia overdosing, like when, when she's on the floor, you have a close up of her. I think she's like lying on her side. Like there's a bottle yeah, coming yeah, out of her mouth, yeah. and you're like, no, this is this is not good. This this is a serious situation. I don't know if you see Vince, but you hear him. Like yeah. you hear him say, like he's hey, coming, Mia, out, he's, he's coming uh, out of the water. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. Listen, he's, oh, he's about, he's no, about right? to leave. Right? Yeah, listen, yeah, yeah. I gotta this, go. This could go too <laughs> yeah. far. Yeah, yeah. There's so much chemistry here, okay. but you're like my boss's wife, and I can't do this, and I'm gonna right, cut right. this off before anything. <laughs> and and then, yeah. You're gonna, yeah, yeah. you're gonna go home. You're gonna, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and that's all you're gonna do. Yeah. <laughs> he's talking to the mirror. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he's talking so himself he, uh, down. Yeah, right? he's talking himself down. Yeah, go totally. Um, and, and then obviously he realizes, like, you know, uh oh, you know, things just took like a a, a complete turn for the worse. Yeah. This is this is bad. Um, and what's the next shot? The next shot is him fishtailing out of a side street onto like an empty street because it's the dead of night right yeah and like it just it just it's so fantastic because again like back to like the syringe scene the way he could have shot that and he could have complicated and added it so much more which is funny because he he likes to complicate things like with his dialogue he likes lots but then he can be so aggressive in the way he cuts things and and, and decides to get rid of so much filler and just go from puke coming out of her mouth on the floor to fishtailing in a car and it's just it's just fantastic. So, so I love that about the film that there's and I, and there's many other moments I, I I have to think, but that's the one that comes to mind. So here's my question then: is that yeah. is that Tarantino or is that the editor Sally Menke? I, I, I don't know. I don't. That's a great question. I'm gonna I'm gonna say because she's worked with him before and because yeah. of her repertoire and her resume. Yeah. Like I'm sure she's, I'm sure she's like she's got that that trust, right, with him. Yeah. But yeah. I I I feel like Tarantino looks at his stories and, and his shots that way yeah. as well. Like, how can I, how yeah. can I create contrast he for the audience? He probably thinks of the editing already as he's writing the film. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Though a but lot, I'm sure, of, a lot yeah. of his critics say that since he's been working with another editor after mm -hmm. her, mm -hmm. his films haven't been as good because yeah. no one knows how to... I, I, back then, people could cut him and say, no, 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 no you could only have two hours. Or no, yeah. that scene has to go. Now, mm -hmm. because he's like so big, yeah, yeah. anything mm -hmm. goes for him. People can't tell him no anymore. Yeah. Right. So yeah. he doesn't. I don't know if his newer films have that same quality that you were just talking about. No, it's a, it's a good point. I mean, um, it'd be interesting to kind of just just compare, do a comparative just on that alone. Yeah, yeah. Like, is is he being given too much room now? Yeah. yeah. Whereas, like before, a more, um, I guess, uh, established editor when he yeah. did when he didn't have as much yeah. power or status yeah. as a as a as yeah. a filmmaker, would have been like, all right. That's enough. We're, yeah. cutting, we're cutting there. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't need to be in the film. Yeah. Um, what do I like about it the most? I, I guess uh, I'm going to cheat here and say it's so hard, but two things. One is the non-linear storytelling. For me, that was just like my favorite thing about it. And I think, one, because it's cool and it just surprises us, but it shows us the power of film, I think. Like, you have the protagonist or one of the protagonists, Vincent Vega, die midway through the film. And then he's resurrected in the second half of the film 
because of nonlinear storytelling. Like film literally resurrects Vega and we get to see him leave as that, that diner. Yeah. Like part, part of the hero uh, duo, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and that nonlinear storytelling, I think, wasn't just a cool effect. It was actually, it helped emphasize a theme in, in, in the film of timelessness this mystical element in the film that I think a lot of people miss out on, that the film is, uh, has like uh, this mystical themes. And, and Jules kind of talks about that, like God, did God stop the bullets here? Right, that whole well, idea. Well, the Bible quote. Right, and, yeah, right? And, and, of... and there is this mystical element in the film. There's this like, almost like this, um, uh, what's that to- old TV show? The, the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Like there, he uses Twilight Zone music in one of the scenes too. Uh, anyway, I'll talk more about that later, but that's what I like most about it, I think. That and how, to add to your point, how he recontextualizes things. Like, what the you guys were talking about, that scene with Mia. Yeah, the OD scene. Or many of the other scenes, just recontextualizing genres and, like, characters, putting them in situations that are not their normal, con- the normal context that you would see this character in. Or it wouldn't, mm-hmm. it filmed in a different way than it would normally be filmed. Like that. I think those are the things I liked about the film the most. Okay, next category is uh, Best Scenes Nominations. So let's just, we can just mention the scenes. I know one has already been mentioned, the, the OD scene. Okay, yeah. what else? Okay, let's start with uh, you, Chris. Like, what, what are some scenes you want? And don't, don't describe the scene to us, just li- kind of just list the different scenes and then Jake will list his and then, then we'll eventually talk about them. What, what was the question, sorry? Best Scenes. Just best scenes, okay. Nominations, like if you okay. can like just break. I already down. spent one of mine with that yeah, uh, we, fishtail. Yeah, but that's <laughs> one. Right, so that's right. one we will talk about. That uh, when just when nominating best scenes. So I'd say when um, uh, well, just Butch is talking to Marcellus, and Marcellus is saying you're gonna you know you're gonna go down in the fifth. That in the whole, club. Yeah, in the club. That whole okay. soliloquy. Okay. Um, and then there's a so I I really like that one, and there's just like a ton in there sets up later on in the movie. The very brief scene between Bruce Willis and John Travolta. Mm, but part of the same scene. Yeah, part of the same. Like, it's like the tail end. Okay. Um, almost foreshadowing. What you looking at, friend? Yeah. Well, almost, your friend, <laughs> Almost yeah. for, for, foreshadows the, uh, the Travolta death, right? Yeah. And the animosity yeah. yes. between these yes. two. Because Bruce Willis will kill John Travolta later on. Um, very, very short scene. The, um, Vincent shooting up. That whole like where he yeah. like the pouch. <laughs> you oddly like that scene. The z- zipper on the pouch, and then the, the one thing just because yeah. you know watching all these things, the blood going into yeah. the needle before. Does that happen? Before, like I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I've never. Yeah, I, I feel like you're not before. supposed to make it go the other way, but maybe you know. I, like it's I, like I, he, I gotta... hit, he hit the vein and it it comes into yeah, the thing. Maybe yeah. Um, he just wanted blood in the scene. And and yeah. uh, a, a bit that might be all there is to it. You know, early early favorite scene aside from the OD scene is uh, Mr. Wolf. Like okay. everything, like the everything, Mister Wolf. The Bonnie situation. Yeah, the Bonnie situation. Um, I'll admit that uh, if I ever, I think, engage in a life of crime, which I don't, <laughs> I always wanted to be considered like the cleaner. Like I wanted to be that guy that like cleans up situations or like, and it's just like he's got the specialty. You yeah. don't work very often, but I think like when they call you, you're good at what you do. You get paid a lot, and then you go back to your regular yeah. job. And um, I just thought, like, Mr. Wolf coming in there, just being so professional, treating, I think, Jimmy so well, the host, you know, like, all that kind of stuff, and just knowing exactly what to do. It's like, oh, this is my fifth, you know, brains in the car situation. I, I just listen to me, guys, right? Like, I know what to do. So I'd say yeah, that. Yeah. How about you? Scene. What are your favorite scenes? If, if you, some of them are the same, I mean, you can say that. Yeah, I, I really, well, 
this this goes a little bit before like if you, if you look at again like the way that Tarantino creates contrast between his scenes um, like the scene uh, leading up to uh, the the bar where they were where you've got the Bruce Willis beating up with Travolta right uh, Butch and Vince scene um, before right right before that um, you've got you've got like a really bright again like like the the epitome of like a realist movie where they're in the bright Ezekiel scene right where the three young guys are about to like okay. meet their end yeah and that's just a really like harshly lit scene it's kind of cold in a way it's just it's just rough and it's just uncomfortable in a way like it's it's disheveled mm-hmm. you've got just like well it's 7 30 in the morning it's 7 30 like in the morning and, you know it's just, yeah it's like just, don't they get there like 7 10 and they're like hey wait a second yeah yeah we're, we're a little too early let's totally. get back but it's but it's yeah. late enough that they've been able to get a kahuna burger yeah right? that's right that's right <laughs> they, they went that's out at six right? yeah, yeah part yeah. of the timelessness quality totally yeah. totally yeah. totally yeah. but again like and then from there he shifts to, and this is where it's, I don't think it is the editor. This this has to be Tarantino, where he's decided in the next scene we're going to go to a dimly lit, very warm, very welcoming kind of room, right where where you've got uh, Marcellus and you've got Vince meeting Bush. Did it right? feel welcoming to you? For me, it felt like it was like he was going to hell. Like Marcellus yeah, is the devil. That's so interesting, right? Yeah, because I mean, it was like for, red, for me, it was red. Uh, too. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's yeah. I, it'd be interesting to do a survey. Like out of a hundred people, how many people thought it was hell? How many people thought like, hey, I'd like, or maybe I'd like he's to spend a day hell welcoming? Yeah, right. Yeah. Like that's what it's supposed to feel like. Totally, like, totally. Yeah. And but, it's being, but it was being rings back of the neck. Yeah, you know, like that's all you. That's all you. So see yeah, and that and that leads to like another thing that I thought was like just really bizarre in that scene. A um, like the camera focus in that was really atypical. Like for most how you shoot most over the shoulder scenes. The, the focus was on the back of Marcellus's head, like right down to the texture of like his shaved head to the Band-Aid. And, and, and you know, he's talking to, uh, to Butch, mm-hmm. right? And he's out of focus, right? He's softer focus, right? And, 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 the, and the camera, I think at times it does, it does shift focus to, to, to Butch. But for the most part, it's, it's focused on the back of his head, which is just so, it's just so, it's so funny. It's just, it's not what you would assume that that shot would usually be used for, right? But clearly, Tarantino wants us to, to notice more about that, about the yeah. hoop earrings, the Band-Aid, yeah. you know, just yeah. everything. Yeah. Uh, the, the size of this guy, you know, and, and Butch becomes secondary. Um, it's just... Okay, so, so far I get for the best scene combinations, the Butch Marcellus scene that you just talked about, the OD scene earlier that you talked about, uh, what any other scenes that could get on this nomination list for best scenes? Because you only mentioned that one. Um, Chris, you go, man. Diner. Okay. Uh, every, every, Jack Rabbit every, Slims. Jack Rabbit Slims. All, all, all the care that went into that. Uh, shout out to Steve Buscemi. Hi, I'm Buddy. Um, and then, like, the names of the food, you know, Amos and Andy, okay, okay. or okay, what was the go, other one? Just stick to nominations first, and then we'll oh, okay, decide okay. which scenes to talk about. Um, Any other scenes that you can think of? I mean, it could be any. Is anyone going to say the the opening scene? Yeah, that's yeah, what I was yeah. going to say too. So, yeah. we'll so go ahead, it's fantastic. Go ahead. So my list, and I've added the OD scene in Butch and Marcellus, even though those weren't actually on my original list. Like that, that you guys obviously love those scenes. So we, and then the opening scene for me was one of the best scenes with Tim Roth and Amanda Plummer. Okay. And then it goes right into the credits. I actually even like the credits. I'm like watching the credits. Like who watches credits? Like you're watching because of that song. And it yeah, was like, yeah. what just happened right there? Uh, everybody be cool this is a robbery and yeah, then yeah. into the credits that was my fa- one of my favorite scenes then the ending scene mm-hmm. where Jules and Tim Roth and Honey Bunny have their Mexican standoff 
which apparently I think you don't call it Mexican standoff anymore. Is that like not PC? Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, ju- it's just a standoff. <laughs> yeah, it's a neutral know. standoff. <laughs> nonpartisan. And then the Jackrabbit Slims. I remember seeing that scene and thinking, wow, I want to go to Jackrabbit Slims. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so there's five here for best scenes. Butch and Marcellus, opening scene, ending scene, Jackrabbit Slims, OD scene. Um, you also said the wolf. Like, which ones do you want to talk about? I don't think we have time to talk about all of them. We've already kind of talked about Butch Marcellus and the OD scene. Can, can I, so can okay. I follow up on your opening scene? I want to yeah. ask you a question, Charlie. So we're s- switching a little categories. That's cool. Do you think they came in there intending to rob the diner? Or do you think they talked themselves into it as they ran through it? And they were just like, okay, no, we're not going to hit we're not going to do liquor stores anymore. We're going to do this. And then all of a sudden, what's your take on that? Do you think they intended to rob it or it was just like, Oh, wait a second. Yeah. It's like, we're talking about this. Well, why not now? It it was spontaneous. I don't think they had any intentions of robbing the diner. Um, They were basically trying to figure out what to do to make money. Like, what are we going to do? Day jobs then? She says, right? Like, uh, and then he says, what about this? And then she gets so super excited. And Anna Plummer says, right now? And she gets, you can tell she's like getting turned on at the idea of like, let's mm-hmm. do this. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, you know, if you, want to, if you want to go a step further, it's just maybe a case of too much coffee. These are too, they, they just got, they got way yeah. too caught up, right? They're just, yeah. they're hyped and they're like trying to one-up each other, you yeah. know? Yeah. I think that, that's, the, that's the intention that Tarantino has there because it's like showing like, it, this is a classic American diner, mm-hmm. two average looking people, Boom, they stand up and they're like, hey, this is a robbery. Like, it's not, you don't see them prepare for the robbery or anything. Yeah. It's not like the Dark Knight opening robbery scene. It's like no, two customers yeah. eating and going, let's rob this place. Well, it seems the tipping point was like the wallet thing, right? So they go down this line, which is like, well, the manager isn't going to do anything. The employees aren't going to do anything. <laughs> you know, it's like one minute they're getting a Denver omelet, you know, eating a Denver omelet. And the next thing there's a gun in their face. And, uh, and then it goes to like, oh, and we can make a lot of money off the wallets. Okay. Right? And there's a lot of people here. Okay, I guess so. let's talk about the opening scene. Yeah. Let's keep going. With yeah. That. So the, like, the, <laughs> the wallet scenes, I, I think once they got to wallet, um, like they were in. And, it, and then they just started looking around. And, and, and then they come up with the plan, right? You know, it's like your crowd control. And I, yeah. I forget what the other one was. But yeah. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the, you know how they, they search the entire place to make sure everyone's out in the diner and they have, yeah. to have control of the entire situation? They don't check the bathroom where Vincent this Vega is. is. And Vincent's <laughs> in the bathroom twice, so he's going to be in the Wouldn't bathroom. That be the first place yeah. we check. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. yeah, he gets saved. So on one time he's in the washroom, he gets killed. The first time he's in the washroom, he gets saved-ish, right? He's not yeah. part of the, yeah. the deal. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I keep thinking back to this. Like, I, I like that point you made about uh, just like um, just references to to the idea of like alternate realities, right? Um, and and it, it reminds me a little bit about, uh, you've seen Run, Lola, Run? Like, like I've run, never seen run, that, Run, Lola, Run is, is, I know, is great. I know, I need to watch that. And it's short and, and you can, and it's just so exciting. But without getting into it, and maybe that's something we talk about at a future future episode but uh yeah. i mean it's worth a watch it definitely looks at the whole um concept of like what if things went differently mm-hmm. right which is which is so interesting right like what what if that wasn't the end what what if he didn't die or like or like what if that was just a parallel universe and in this universe he goes on with his day he he, he doesn't get he doesn't get blown away by butch right mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. obviously something he doesn't he, he leaves it to our imagination which is great but but i, I like this whole idea of like these 
these alternate endings as possible. It kind of brings me back to like choose your own adventure books, right? Yeah. I mean, that was fun. Well, maybe we're veering off from that scene a little bit, but this theme is interesting what you just brought up because that line, normally you would be dead. That's used in the film. Like, like in the diner, yeah. later on in the closing, the ending, yeah. Jewel says, normally you would be dead right now, right? Earlier he says to Vincent, we should be dead right now because the gun's... Yeah, yeah. Uh, missed them in the in the room. Um, mm-hmm. The guy was and, hiding in the washroom. And the technically, <laughs> Vincent Vega should be dead according to the rules of film because he died a while ago. But why all of a sudden he's alive because of the nonlinear editing, right? Yeah. So there's this theme of like normally this is what would happen, but in my film, Tarantino says no, this is what happens. I'm I'm revising what you would normally expect. And I think he made a, he's made a career out of subverting expectations and subverting genres. And revising history with Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained, and uh, Once yeah. Upon a Time in Hollywood, right? So yeah, that that's and and we see that actually that's connected to the ending scene. So we can talk about that now too if you want. But anything more to say about the opening scene? Well, probably to jump ahead, it, it sets up. Um, I guess you can't. I can't. You can't split up the opening and the ending. Yeah, They're no. Kind of it's, the same it's, scene. It sets up. Okay. Yeah, um, where are they? Uh, jewels. <laughs> the role reversal in Jewels. So Jewels has this long opening scene where he's, you know, he's the lead guy. John Travolta is just into the country, and Samuel L. Jackson, he's, he's been there before. Like, this is how we're going to go down. What's it like there? But he's definitely leading the charge. This is, I'm segueing a bit, but if you go to the, the apartment where they kill those guys, um, they walk in, Jules does all the talking. Vincent just goes around, he, he searches around, and he doesn't even take his gun How out. How do we not put that in the best yeah. combination? Well, I, the, 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 yeah, the whole, the whole movie is there. And if you because watch it... there are it, hundreds. Yeah, but we yeah. have to decide on one after yeah. this conversation. If, if, you, if you watch it, so Vincent goes to the kitchen, just starts looking in cupboards, eventually finds the briefcase, doesn't take his gun out until Jules says the Bible lines. And as soon as Jules says the Bible lines, Vincent is like, okay, now we're going to kill some people, right? How does he know? I I don't know, but it just have they you, worked if, together if, for a while. I I feel like they did, and then they yep. reunited. Yeah, I think yeah. he went to Amsterdam for a bit, did yeah. his thing there, and then I was back. So right towards the end, you've now got Tim Roth, uh, and Amanda Plummer like dealing with him, and that whole thing like where he's now sort of secondary, right? And he's he's trying to do something new almost, which is he wants everybody to live. Yeah. Right, which is sort of new for him. Yes. Right, and I love his line of like. Um, it's not the first time, <laughs> yeah. Or uh, you know, this is this is not the first time I've had a gun in my face. Yeah. Right. So there's a I hate to disappoint there. you. Yeah. 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 Um, so the opening scene and the ending scene and the rest of the friggin' film can't be talked about in and of itself. It's so hard to talk about a single scene in this film in and of itself. That's I think a sign of a good film though. Um, but any mm-hmm. any scenes, any of these scenes, which one would you like rewatch though, like? out of all of them like Butch Marcellus the opening scene the ending scene Jack Rabbit Slims the OD scene the apartment scene which I just added um, I, I'm gonna go with, with Chris here like I think the whole build up from the Eric Stoltz buying the heroin moment which leads up to the date with Mia which leads up to just the yeah. most incredible like you know OD slash you <laughs> save the day moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's why he becomes he's saved the cat. He saved his cat there. That's why we like Vincent Vega maybe at the end. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> we better save the cat or Marcellus is gonna be pissed. But like that that to me is 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 the most incredible um collection of moments yeah. scene. So that scene for me um, is top. 
Okay, interesting. Can I can I follow yeah, up? Yeah, it's not mine, but okay. Yeah, just just so just a bit on Jake and, and what you were saying earlier, um, to the fish tailing scene to Eric Stoltz having cereal, right? And just like with yeah. the phone ringing, totally. And I just want to eat my cereal. Yeah, and he's just yeah, not. so good. And then his wife is yelling at him, and he's just trying to eat his cereal. And did it make um, you want to pause and then go down and get a bowl of cereal? And like, and, no, and, yeah. and and again, like yeah. you talk about juxtaposition. The so and then when the the needle is pointed up and and Vincent is about to, I stab to, it to times. yeah, you just gotta stab her once. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know if you guys had this experience, but while watching that scene, like what kept going through my mind was like. Can you actually pierce someone's breastplate with a syringe? <laughs> yeah. like, 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 I'm well, like, yeah, yeah, like, isn't that really why hard you have bone? an adrenaline shot? Or, or is that actually yeah. really easy to do? Like, I, I, I kept getting like, <laughs> caught up with like the facts. I'm like, no, don't let the facts get in the way of a yeah. great story. And the, yeah. the, well, the tension breaker. So with that scene is um, that was trippy, right? You know, you got this like everyone's like so tense, and there's a one girl sort of half smiling, like. Mm, he funny. likes characters like <laughs> yeah you don't see this you yeah, don't yeah. see this every day uh, flock of seagulls is the parallel to that in the apartment the flock yeah. of seagulls character yeah. the guy on the, on the, on the uh, couch and then yeah. Floyd from True that's Romance right. that's right he loves those stoner characters you just sit in the couch and in the background don't, of the don't film don't get up right, right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my scene for nostalgic reasons it, okay. was, it was the first scene I loved it's, it's, it has staying power um, I continue to love it. I love a, a bunch of this movie, but it's like it's just something about. Yeah. I'll just add the shaky camera. I'm a big fan of shaky camera. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, he mm-hmm. took he took the camera off the um, the tripod and he started moving around. So when he's when yeah. he's moving it back and forth by hand, I'm like, love the shaky yeah. camera. And Eric Stoltz. Yeah. Who doesn't love Eric Stoltz? My, my favorite scenes are the ending scene that we talked about. I just felt that the tension was amazing. And mm-hmm. I just love Samuel Jackson and Vincent Vega in that scene. And Amanda Plummer. I thought Amanda Plummer was spectacular. That was a heat check, uh, right? What yeah. do we have here? And, the, the, and the overacting, the, yeah. Like, the way he, he goes over that entire Bible passage and, like, just reconsiders the meaning of it. Yeah. It's almost, like, kind of metaphorical of, like, uh, Tarantino reconsidering film and, like, recontextualizing film and coming up with new meanings for mm-hmm. for old films or old stories right um and how he that i love it when when he, he just his the affection or the affectation in his voice just changes and he just goes like you're the weak <laughs> right and uh and i'm the tyranny of evil men yeah but i'm trying ringo <laughs> i'm trying real hard to be the shepherd or something like that uh i just thought that was so powerful that's one of my favorite scenes and then the apartment scene, just because Samuel Jackson's so funny. Like yeah. all, all the way, and he, he's basically bullying these ki- college kids. Basically, like, like it's he, terrifying, man. It's, yeah. a, it's a full-on interrogation. I know, but it's like, like it, leading it's, up to an execution. Yeah, but, but yeah, he's, he's, he's a bit of a bully. It's kind of like, but the way it's written, it's almost like it's parallel to like a schoolyard bullying in like a cafeteria. Like, yeah, yeah. Hey, what are you eating? Oh, let me let me try some of that. Yeah, yeah. Mm, that's, that's a tasty burger. And, and when he, right, and it's like, mm. yeah, <laughs> when he down like finishing the drink. Yeah, yeah, it's so intimidating. Really. Down to the ice cubes. That's when you knew you were gonna die. <laughs> yeah. Like when he yeah. finishes the drink, you're like, oh, I'm not taking a sip out of that anymore. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you're not gonna need this, and, <laughs> <laughs> and you'll figure out why. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I guess what is the best scene? I guess I'm outvoted here, but the OD scene. You guys OD give scene. a lot of okay. okay. Well, as well as the lead yeah. up to it. Yeah. I guess well, yeah. if we can call out the whole scene because it's the build up. Yeah. yeah. That whole right. chapter. Yeah. 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 Um, 
Yeah, okay. Culminating so in the old. That's going to lead me then to my next question, which wasn't on the original one, but it, I just thought of it. The, the film's split into three chapters. The Vincent Vega and Mia Wallace segment, which is the OD scene is part of, mm-hmm. and includes Jack Rabbit Slims. Uh, and then the Bonnie situation, the beginning and the end of the film, right? That's the Bonnie situation, and with the wolf as mm-hmm. well as part of that. And then there's the gold watch, the Bruce Willis saga, right? Um, of the three, if you were to watch them just like, you can't, but if you were to watch them all just like linearly, straight, which would make the best short films? Like which one of those subplots? Yeah, the, the, of, the three, of, of the three chapters, like the, okay. the gold watch, the Mia Wallace and Vincent Vega, and the Bonnie situation, if you were to watch them all straight, which would make the what, best Like, if you film. took those subplots and, and just them into a feature. And, and yeah, and just watched one of those stories. You didn't see all the other stories. You just had to... Okay. Yeah. Which one would be best, or which one could survive on its own? As a short film, yeah. Which one would get a producer to, to fund it? Sure. Chris, which one would you Chris. use? Um, so, uh, we've talked about the OD scene already. It's not that. And um, okay. very often with like the passage of time, the stuff that you didn't pay attention to early on like really emerges. And I really think there's... I never really noticed Bruce Willis in this movie before. Yeah. And it's quite intriguing, the whole... Um, I'm going to go against my handler. I'm going to go against the boss. So that whole story of I'm going to use my one shot, I'm going to take this guy's money... The fix will be in. The odds will be completely against me. But I'm going to bet on me. I'm going to kill the guy. And then I'm going to get out of town. And I, and I just thought... And then the watch complicates things. Yeah, so everything works yeah. out super well until this, until this thing. And, and I look at that and I go, there's a story in a boxer not taking the dive, but taking the money. So I, I just think that story like really, really wins out. There's stories with his girlfriend, um, and you know Marcellus, and in, in that, and so like, where do they go? Like, there's a there's a lot of cool, quite like the chopper. How, Where's uh, my car? Yeah, wh- uh, where, where did uh, he get the Datsun <laughs> or whatever he's using? <laughs> <laughs> the car, maybe. <laughs> Uh, whose yeah. motorcycle is this? It's not a motorcycle, yeah. it's a chopper, baby. Maybe some... Whose chopper is this? <laughs> Z- it's Zed. Where's Zed? Zed's That's dead, baby. Zed's dead. <laughs> uh, Esmer- Esmeralda? You can just listen to that back and forth go on for ten minutes. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I choose Bruce Willis, and I never really noticed Bruce before. Okay. Um, but he does his thing. He because does of his performance or because of the story? You, you, is it the story that's compelling? Like the whole, like the boxer throwing the fight, the gold watch? Yeah. Like I'm, yeah. Just, I'm just clarifying. Because it, it's, it's, what, what it's less of a line. It's just, it's less of just like cool lines and more like, wow, you, you have taken a real shot here, right? Like you have taken a real shot. Like in some ways, uh, Vincent and Mia's OD is their own stupidity, right? right. Like they're both yeah. druggies. She didn't get the baggy balloon thing. <laughs> if you notice, they both get high. Yeah. Right? Like he, he They're in, both drug addicts. He injects. Yeah. She snorts up before he meets him and in the Jackrabbit Slim. So they're both druggies and you're just like, okay. And then Eric Stoltz is And then they're around. dancing. Like, like, I'm, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to like nominate another, another um, but there's only, possible there's subplot. But there's only those three subplots. Let's go. But, okay, but, sorry, wait, but wait, wait, wait. What about the, the, the possibility of the prequel? Like, I'd, I'd watch a road trip movie with oh. Tim Roth and Amanda Plummer yes. going across America. Natural world killers. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and they did the liquor stores. 
I feel I feel like that. I know what you mean. Like it's not part of the main. I know what you're saying. Fabric, but but there's there's a story there yeah. where you have to, you just you know you just infer like well, what's what's led up to this moment. Like wh- where have they been? What, what yeah, what's the rest of their week look like? What's the year look like for them? The fact that you feel that way about those characters means that like yeah, those characters exist outside of this world. Of oh, this they, film. they and, absolutely. And, yeah, 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 and th- that says a lot about the writing for that story, the Bonnie situation. Yeah, I think my favorite is the Bonnie situation because it includes those guys yeah. and then it includes the Jules and Vincent and a story too. So there's like kind of two stories in there. Maybe that's cheating then. But um, Oh, and Jimmy and, Bo- yeah. and Bonnie. But, but to your point, the boxer story is a tighter story. It's a story in and of itself. Like just Bruce's yeah. journey, Yeah. right? Um, yeah, cool. Okay. I mean, like, it's got some pretty classic themes in it, like, yeah. like emotion overtaking logic, things yeah. like that, nostalgia and all. Um, yeah, I, I just wanted to, uh, this is a little off topic, but, like, Chris mentioned this a long time back. Basically, like, he was, he forgot, like, how much swearing was in the movie. And, like, one of my initial reactions was, was, like, like, God, like, there's so much drug use in this movie. And yeah. I remember, like, was I, was I not, like, phased by that, being 16? And yeah. I was way more so at, like, 41. Like, yeah. it's, it, it just hit me immediately. Like, there's so much drug use, yeah. you know? It's just... it's yeah. And then I couldn't figure out, like, is it promoting it or is it a warning? <laughs> you know? Because yeah. it feels like it's a bit of both. And, and, and that's probably, you know, that, that's Tarantino again. Yeah. He's, yeah. Not, he's not going to take a hard angle on one of those, but he's yeah. going to give you a couple different scenarios. Because it looks pretty fun. <laughs> Well, I, I think at well, times it, I'm like that. Travolta makes it look cool. He does, of course. Like he when does. he's driving, yes, like, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Oh, I was like, high. yeah, oh, wow. like, why wouldn't you show up to a first date? You know, completely like, completely blown out on smack or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just that's how you do it, right? But but then obviously you have you have a massive shift yeah. when all of a sudden yeah. it's it's me on the floor. And yeah. you're going, okay, that's obviously the other side. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But there's that and there's that cool surf guitar music too when yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. ding 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 and he's just driving. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and and then when they started dancing, that was so cool too when I first saw it. I was like, it should look ridiculous, but it's so cool. But they're also stoned and that's how they're dancing like that. Right. right. They're like they're just right. both high and they're dancing. And they're, it's so great like how they, they really look like a couple of people that <laughs> have had a few drinks and are trying to figure out how to dance. I mean, there's sweat on their faces. It's not flattering. Again, like it's a re- it's a realist movie, but like even like their, their socks are worn down. Yeah. Like there's like, I don't think there's holes in the socks, but they're worn. Yeah. And I'm like, that's just, that's, that's great. Like they're just a couple of people who just took their shoes off randomly. And, and when I, when I watched that scene last week, I was laughing out loud. This is the first time I was mm-hmm. laughing at that mm-hmm. scene. I think I laughed more watching this film this time around than ever before. Mm-hmm. Like, it just was mm-hmm. funnier to me. Yeah. So the date's not going well. I never really noticed that before. So they meet and they have these awkward moments. I mean, he shows up and she's in the panic room, right? Like, watching him through a video camera, yeah. right? <laughs> and then it's like, you can only... And I'm talking to you through the inner call. What an awesome and, start. And, and you're looking at, like, so who set, to, like, who, who set this up, right? And then it's like, you got to push the button. And then they go to this place, and the date's just not going well, right? So, yeah. like, they have the whole cowboy, yeah, don't be a square, uh, cowboy, cowgirl. Like, so what are you ordering? Um, and, and it turns on the uncomfortable silence, right? Yeah. So you, you basically see the date as it's not working out. You have the uncomfortable silence. And then it works out. 
Yeah, then they dance, and then it cuts to the end where they're arm-in-arm arm dancing into the thing, and she leans back to, like, undo the alarm, yeah. right? Yeah, So when you break it down, like, sorry. Yeah, well, I just I just really love that, which is, like, you're going to show the worst part of the date where it's just, like, complete awkward stuff, and then all the good stuff, well, let's just cut to the end now, right? And then yeah. and show her, like, yes. misinterpreting the baggy, you know, instead of a balloon kind of thing, yeah. When you break it down like that, and I saw your notes, and you are breaking it down, like, how the date went, it seems so like, as a writer, you'd be like, that doesn't seem organic at all. But for some reason, in the film, it seems so natural and organic and the way the chemistry was built. It doesn't seem like it was contrived. Those two characters, those actors, had really great chemistry and the way it went up in, in terms of like, yeah, it wasn't going well. Then it well, they, had, they never met, it, right? It was they so never natural, met. but so quick. Yeah. Like, I think if you're looking at it in, as an outline for a story, you're like, that doesn't seem natural. They're not going to, like... Well, right, yeah. Last, yeah. last comment here. Like, just the whole idea of, like, well, why wouldn't um, Jules take her out? Yeah. Right? So it's like, oh, Marcellus asked me, Vince, to take her out. Jules like, oh, have you ever met her before? So Jules met her. Maybe she doesn't like Jules. I, I always read, but it, like, as, yeah. I always read it as Marcellus um, testing Vincent. Because oh, Vincent okay. just returned back, and he needs to test his loyalty. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I never. I never read. I was just like, that's so odd. So you're just gonna, you know, have your wife go out. With okay, right. we're live. All right. So next category is who brought a gun to the knife fight. So this is the actor who totally brought their A game and gave you more than what was probably expected, considering the small role they had. Anyone? Yeah, Chris Gomez. Uh, Amanda Plummer. Amanda Plummer, totally. Yeah, the opening. Um, Honey Bunny. Yolanda. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Eric Stoltz, yeah. I think. You know, another another sort of resurrection. I, I think big actors had moments, so I like Bruce Willis freaking out in the car when, when there's no watch, right? Yeah. And he sort of freaks out his girlfriend, he calms down, and then he gets in the car, and he freaks out fully in the car. Yeah, but he's supposed to, we're supposed to expect a performance from him because he's yeah. actually the English yeah. So doesn't, film. so sorry, so, disqualified, yeah. disqualified yeah. for that guy. So, yeah, those two. What about you? That's, uh, that's where I, I agree. I mean, the, those, those are pretty hard to top. Yeah. I, I don't know who, who does better in that category. Yeah. Um, Amanda Plummer definitely was just amazing. For actors, yeah. She is the reason for the tension in that scene. I think she is the reason the scene is so good. Uh, yes, Jules carries the scene. Yes, he's the protagonist in the scene. And ultimately the hero of the scene. And Tim Roth is his opposite. But it is Amanda Plummer's character who is... Uh, the reason for the tension. She is a wild card, a variable. Jules is contr in control of the scene, but he's not in control of Amanda Plummer's character. She could pull the trigger and it could end in a bloodbath. And in a way, she is both the audience surrogate, the, the person that, that we are, we're afraid, we don't know what's going to happen here. And, and she's also, um, sorry, Jules' character also hinges on her in a way. Because... He doesn't want to kill anybody. And as viewers, we don't want him to kill anybody because we want to see him go through this transformation where he's changing and leaving this life of crime. We want to see that happen. And if she does anything wrong in this situation and pull the trigger, then that transformation won't happen. And that's why I think for the short time that she's on the screen, she does such a good job of... of being that character, being that device. Uh, and, and we care about her and Tim Roth 
despite them being so short-lived as characters. Yeah. Chris. Um, distant third, if you don't mind, uh, Steve Buscemi. You know, just like yeah. working, like just the waiter line. I'm like, way to, way to do a lot with the, with wow. a little. And uh, yeah. Quentin Tarantino as Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think did his best. Hey, there's no bit parts. <laughs> what was interesting about Steve Buscemi's role is that he, I would have given him like the, the mailing it in. Yeah. But the mailing it in was intentional because it's like, think about it. It's like Steve Buscemi, who's probably like, the, the, the character is probably like, you know, a struggling actor in L.A. who has to play Buddy Holly at a... Yeah, end restaurant. of an, end of an eight-hour yeah, show. I'm buddy. Like, can I? You know, <laughs> end of a yeah, shift. It's like, the Broadway it's, singers yeah. at the Stardust Diner in yeah, New York. It's yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. What about uh, um, MVP of the movie? MVP, like as as, as the, an actor, the most valuable or person most valuable. or thing most. in the movie. Well, I, I think I think it's got to go to Sally Mankey for editing. Okay. Um, yeah, and we talked like, about that. Yeah, but. like. But no, like, of, of course, like, and again, it's, it's such a good, I, I keep thinking about, like, how much did they, how much dialogue was there between the director and the editor? Like, how much, how much leeway was Tarantino given? How much trust was she given? You know, yeah. um, and I, I want to believe that it's like 50-50. They just really okay. work as a team. But uh, I think, I think that's huge. Um, I mean, the music's an easy one that we kind of take for granted. But it, it's still like, again, back to like in 94. Yeah. That wasn't typical. Yeah. To go and find some, you know, like like some some songs that that you knew, but they weren't the hits. Mm-hmm. They weren't yeah. necessarily. You, you never the heard hits. them before. Yeah. No, yeah. but suddenly yeah. you wanted that. that soundtrack. Yes. And like suddenly that, yeah. that was your new favorite kind of music. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's incredible. I bought surf guitar music. Yeah. After that, right? Like that. That's nuts. Yeah. Like Miserly um, won the movie for me. Like yeah. that song. Yeah, yeah. Like, like that was like yeah. amazing. I love it every time I hear. I I can I add one more. Sure. I think the poster is outstanding for that movie. It's phenomenal. Yeah, the poster won the movie. I like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, and there's no scene that looks like that. Looks like no, <laughs> no, which is which is like yeah. Just, Sorry, we're looking at the poster fits. right now for all yeah. the listeners. <laughs> yeah, a lot of posters in here. Uh, how about you? Uh, for well, for actor John Travolta, yeah. like it's sort of like John Travolta. Bruce Willis keeps keeps it close, but uh, watching this for whatever umpteenth time I seen this it's like John Travolta really really takes it yeah. like more than Samuel L. Jackson more than um, Harvey Keitel yeah. and in the end more than more than Bruce Willis or I, I just I liked him he I would good. say that that's a tribute to Tarantino though because uh, of Tarantino course. Of course. knew how to recontextualize John Travolta basically he said hey John Travolta played this guy in Saturday Night Fever what was the character's name I don't know don't know uh, and he was like he was so cool I want you to be that, but now we're going to make you a gangster. Imagine this character in Saturday Night Fever became a gangster. Like, and, it just seems like that. Like, and then, it was like... add to that, and also, like, people aren't going to laugh. They're going to yeah. actually buy it and, yeah. and love it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you laugh at times, but, you, but yeah. you don't find it ridiculous or unbelievable. Yeah. Yes. You actually are like, yeah, Travolta's back. Yes. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah, that's massive. Yeah. You got to give Tarantino a lot of credit mm-hmm. for that. Okay, next question is form and content. Is the form, structure, and style of the film appropriate for the content in the film? This is like a film production, film studies type question. Yeah, we'll film, start film, with you. film school 101. Yeah. Actually, um, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just pass on that. I'm going to okay. let you guys go over, over that, and then I might, I, might just, uh, I might just add some angles to it. Okay. Well, I mean, yes, uh, for everything that we've, we've seen before, right? And for, in some ways, um, starting the cliches that we all know, 
right? So long dialogue, overly long dialogue scenes in cars or wherever, um, the feet shot, the trunk shot, um, the rhetorical questions, you know, if that's sort of the dialogue, yes. like he, uh, Jules really starts everything with a, what does Marcellus look like? You know, that kind of stuff, you know. What? <laughs> yeah. Say what again? So he, he has he has a bunch of these all the way, like, throughout. And, um, yeah. <laughs> what? I, 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 Where I have, country are you from? What other... country I ever heard of? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, What's the Fonz like? Yeah, that's He's right. Like, yeah, that's right. Be what's, cool, those Yolanda. Are the two. Those are yeah. the two. What do, what's Fonz yeah. like? And so, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I think definitely the form structure and style was appropriate for the content because uh, like that nonlinear storytelling, like I've talked about already, was so uh, emphatic of like this the theme of timelessness and mysticism in the film that I really like. Uh, like, the, and to add to that theme. Remember when he gets when Bruce Willis is going down the basement to save Marcellus Wallace? Yeah, there are clocks everywhere. I don't know if you and the clocks are all in different times. I don't know if you noticed that. They're no, all I totally different times. I don't remember that. So it's kind of like the film itself, like you know, the, everything's happening in different times, and it's like that what if, like alternate universe sort of idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's so, like it's like not not you know where are we when are we kind of yeah, scenario. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. Never mind, just totally blanked. Go, go, go. No, okay, let's go to a deep question here that came up earlier. Does this film trivialize issues that shouldn't be trivialized? Like that drug use, the violence, like does it make, does it humanize these gangsters that are ultimately like, I don't know, bad people, but they're made to look cool and like heroic? Well, it's like the Sopranos yeah. conundrum, right? Yeah. When you but talk about that. that, for sure. Yeah. But I, I'm just comparing yeah, yeah. it to some, something else where, where you're like, am I allowed to like this character? Yeah. Right. But I mean, like moral ambiguity with characters like being heroes or villains, like goes back to like film noir. Yeah. Right. Looking yeah. at like you know, Humphrey Bogart sort of scenarios where it's like this whole idea of like someone doesn't necessarily have to be purely good or yeah. purely evil, and, and and you could argue for for storytelling for for a good script, it's it's often that um, that sort of in the middle that makes for the most interesting yeah. story and well, what's, character. What's different about Tarantino, though, is that he, those ones, those film noirs or like Macbeth, even Shakespeare, the characters, we know they're bad and they're designed to look bad. In this story, wait, wait. they're designed to look like, like us. Like they're talking about stuff we talk about. They're humanized. They look friendly. Like, oh, I want to have a conversation with these guys and talk about this stuff. Like, so it's kind right. of different. So I'm wondering, is that trivializing? Is, it, is that like making it seem like it's okay? Whereas the other films that you bring up, you kind of like, it's kind of more clear, cut and dry that these are the bad guys, but they're also the good guys. We're, 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 we're rooting for them, but we know that they're bad guys. In this movie, I don't know if like, it's clear that they're bad guys. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. Well, if shooting do Brett doesn't do it, then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, I mean, like, as much as, like, they're entertaining, and I can imagine, like, you know, it, it, would, be, it would be a lot of fun maybe to have a burger <laughs> or, or, or a $5 shake with one of these guys. Like, it's pretty clear early on that, like, you know, they're, they're, you can get into a lot of trouble <laughs> if, if this is, like, if this is the, the gang you're going to be hanging out with. And I'm, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I okay. think you can have it both ways. Like, okay. they're, they're, they're obviously morally bankrupt yeah but they're still funny yeah. <laughs> like and that's not that hard to believe but what's kind of cool about Jules' character yeah. is that while he's morally bankrupt he's like now turning he's like he wants to leave this world and and right. and cut, go to the good 
right? Like, that's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. I mean, yes, of, of course it trivializes it. Like, um, but it's a film. So you've got, like, it's a film defense. It's just a film. Each character kind of gets their comeuppance, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, except me, I wonder about Jules, but Vincent dies. Mm-hmm. Um, even Bruce, like, um, Marcellus gets raped, right? Like, yeah. Mia almost dies in the, o- in the OD scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then, yeah, if you, if, um, except for, like, Jules. So it's, it's really weird. He does all this bad stuff. He gets saved from someone defending his life, right? Like, missing him, then he kills them. And then he seems to escape it a little bit. I wonder if there was another 10 or 15 minutes in the movie, what would, what would happen to Jules? But you get, you get a little bit of a lesson um, on all of these. Like, Bruce Willis gets seriously injured, like, in the car accident and everything. Yes, he sort of semi-escapes, but it's not... They each kind of get their thing. Yeah, right? and the only one who's truly, like, I think saved is Jules because he he acknowledges this omnipotent presence that that yeah. suggests to him that he needs to leave the life of crime. Well, none of the others really do that. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I mean, like, but I think, like, Tarantino, like, if you look at a lot of his films and, like, and a lot of other filmmakers, really, it's, it's just, there, there's, there's a common thread, but, like, life just isn't fair, right? Yeah. And there isn't always going to be justification why, why does he get to live and yeah. he dies or, yeah. or yeah. she gets sick. That's true. And she, and she prospers, but despite being awful. Right, which is which is yeah. always going to be more fascinating to watch. Yeah. Than than all the good people have happy endings and all the bad yes. people go yes. to jail. Yes. Like that. That's yeah. that's boring. Yeah. Right? Um, is is it just meaningless violence, or are there deeper themes in this film? Like ultimately, is it like this meaningless romp into pop culture and violence, and or is it like a, a meaningful film? Yeah, Chris, take it, man. I'll just start it off. I don't have a, a total answer for this one. I remember when this first came out, if you remember this, the big thing was like, what's in the briefcase, right? You remember when this movie came yeah, out? It yeah, was like, yeah. what's the deal with the briefcase? That would be you never showed. Right you, you, would, you would never, you never showed it. And then there's like, oh, it's his soul or it's this or whatever. Um, I've, I've always kind of wondered about that. I mean, just the very title, Pulp Fiction, is trying to say, listen, this is just trivial entertainment. Substanceless. Yeah, it's trivial entertainment. Just enjoy the ride. Uh, don't think too much about it. Hmm. It's got the film defense. But then you have, like, the Bible quotes. You have the whiteout transitions, right? Um, kind of things like that. And yeah. so, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, to I, your point about the Pulp Fiction title and, like, the definition in the beginning, I think... Tarantino is putting that in our face to say this is substanceless. This is no meaning in here. It's postmodernism. That's a pulpit. That's what Tarantino is all about. But I think he's actually subverting our expectations because I think there is a lot of meaning in the film that we can take out from it, like we just did in this last hour. Um, and I think that's the that's the trick Tarantino pulls on us. So like he calls it pulp fiction, which is expected to be meaningless, mm-hmm. but it isn't. Yeah, it just. I mean, like you can you can find meaning in anything, and yeah. especially if you're if you're analyzing it from like an artistic standpoint, uh, whether it's the writing or the visuals or. But I mean, like at, at like a more, um, like if you're just looking at, at at, well, what was the original point? Like, like is there is there meaning and yeah. like deeper is is there any deeper meaning or like are we learning anything from it? I like. I, I was just talking about like the whole concept of recreational drug drug use, right? And like, let's say the movie didn't have the overdose scene. Well, then it totally glorifies it, and there's yeah. no consequences. Yeah. I think there's tons of consequences yeah. in, in the film, right? Yeah. Either you die or you OD, or your day just kind of goes from 
uh, bad to worse. Or I mean, or, the snitch got his head blown off. Yeah, right? like there's like there's there's, there's actually a ton of yeah there's a ton of lesson learning I think in this movie. Yeah, we'll you know, later, yeah. We'll later. Yeah. totally like. Be careful what you snort up your nose. <laughs> Don't hang out with these guys. Yeah. Like you know? Eric Stoltz like runs out of balloons. Yeah. Yeah. Would you take a baggie? And it's a throwaway line, yeah. but it's a huge setup yeah. to like, my God, I, so, I could be killed by myself. So the last question here then is, is the movie overrated or underrated? Uh, underrated. You think? It's not possible to overrate Pulp Fiction. Okay. I don't think it's possible. Look, Kim Mulder thinks Tarantino's overrated. Sorry. But yeah. anyway, keep going. Kim Mulder is not invited to the podcast. <laughs> Shout out to Kim. Yeah. Love you, Kim. <laughs> um, it's, it's not, I don't think it's underrated. I just think it deserves the praise that it's been given. Yeah. It, okay. it's, it's, an, it's a fantastic film. And no matter how many times I see it, I just, I just see something new. I appreciate something yes, more about that's it. Exactly how I feel. And, and it's so rich. And there's just no wasted moments. That's yeah. why, I mean, like, the script is celebrated for a good reason, right? Yeah. It's considered, like, a pretty much a flawless script. Yeah. And that's because it just doesn't waste moments or yeah. opportunities. It, it, it really respects, like, the kind of, like, the gift of being given funding and produ- production for a film. It's like, imagine if someone like the Weinstein guys said, here's, here's you know, $100 million. And, and it's like, and he made the most of it. Yeah. How can you not respect yeah. that? Yeah. Like, that's awesome. And he got those, right? and he got those people to buy in. Yeah, that's, that's like, the hey. epitome of, like, not being overrated. Is it, yeah. is it you got so much out of that, and you respected the hell out of that opportunity yeah. to go and make that film yeah. and not waste? Because there's so many examples. We could do a whole episode on just people that have wa- wasted the money of producers yeah. and wasted people's time. Yeah, that's this a really good answer. Movie. Thank you. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll give one answer to that. I think it's... It's underrated in the sense that I think a lot of people, a lot of fans of this film uh, like it, but they don't really know why they like it. And they don't maybe like it for uh, the potentially multiple reasons that they could like it. They like it because it's like, oh, that's cool dialogue, it's funny. But like, I think it's, there's so much more as this episode has shown. Like there's so much more to it. And that's why I think it's underrated. Can I please close off with my top lessons? I have 10 lessons here, and that's it. Yeah, let's go. Okay. Come on, Chris. Let's, um, let's, let's for, hear so it. I'm watching lesson number one. I could rob a bank with a mobile phone. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that before, right? And I, don't, I hope they didn't hurt the little girl. Two, I think the movie's ahead of its time with the legalization of marijuana to a degree. Right now we've got a bunch of states all legalized. We've got a whole country that's legalized marijuana, and here they are just talking about legalization of marijuana. Yes. If I'm ever a drug dealer and I sell heroin, make sure it's in a balloon, not a bag. <laughs> that's, that's number this three. Crucial. Yeah. Number four, if I ever have to give an adrenaline shot, we talked about this before, I have to pierce the breastplates. Not three times, but, but once. Right. <laughs> yeah. And how hard is it to pierce a breastplate? We need yeah. to know. Uh, we haven't talked about this. So I'll throw this in. Number five, if I have to pack my most precious possession when I'm leaving, don't leave it up to my girlfriend. <laughs> right? I got to yes. do this. I got to do this myself. Um, if I'm staking out a house... Uh, don't use the washroom, right? And for sure, don't leave my gun on the kitchen table when I go into the washroom, right? Like, Man, take, take this, the gun with you. This take, is just, a drug addict. This is just good gun etiquette. Yeah, take the gun with but you. He's, he's a drug addict. Yeah, he's no, good, like, he's take the gun. Thinking. Why do you leave you know, the Uzi on the kitchen a table? A responsible gun owner always takes his Uzi to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah that's right. We've been over this. Uh, number seven, if you're ever being chased, don't run into a pawn shop. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't run into a pawn shop. Run to a bookstore. Yeah. Right? Run into like a 7-Eleven, something else. Um, 
So mercy. If um, if I'm going to shoot at a bunch of gangsters, take take the extra moment. Make sure I aim straight. <laughs> <laughs> make sure I aim straight right at them. Um, so you think he just missed that? It wasn't a miracle. Okay, keep going. Yeah. Um, <laughs> If I'm turning to my friend in the back seat, don't point my gun as well. So, like, don't turn around and, and point my gun at the same time. Um, and the last lesson for all of us is uh, if I'm ever in a jam, I should call Mr. Wolf. That's my last lesson from that. If I can just add an 11th lesson um, to uh, Chris's top 10 lessons. Um, at the end of the film, uh, Jules is telling uh, Vincent... Uh, it doesn't matter if, if God stopped the bullets or if he turned Coke into Pepsi. What matters is I felt it. That, I think, sums up the movie. It was the most profound part of the movie because it, it, it's suggesting that it doesn't matter if, if there's meaning in this film, like the question that we were asking earlier. It, what matters is if you can find the meaning in it. And if you can, then there's meaning in it. Um, and I think that's very postmodern, and I think that's uh, Tarantino in a nutshell. Um, and, and, that's, and that's the the subversion of pulp fiction, that it's not pulp and meaningless. There is meaning if you find it in there. Um, cool. All right. Thank well, you. That was great. That, that was a really fun episode, yeah. guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening, for anybody uh, managed to tune in. It yeah. was a lot of fun for us, so we hope you enjoyed it. And that's the tilt shift. See you next time. Thank you.